Here's all your paperwork. Here's all your belongings. Mr. Collins, as of now, you are free to do whatever you want to do. We don't like you down here. We don't want to ever see your face again. Um, no. Ah, much better. Now, get ready for an uncivilized discussion about faith. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Barbarian, Barbarian Prophet. Well, like I've been promising you, I'd be back on the air just a little bit more. And like I also said earlier this week when I was out there with Mike Bingle Davis on the last episode, that I'd be in here with none other than the famous Caleb Harris. And uh, so, uh, Caleb, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad that, that we've got that part out of the way. So now you've started to speak on your first podcast. So uh, give me a quick rundown on how you and I met. Believe it would have been at the mission. Okay. And you were in the program, right? The discipleship program, yes. Right, right on. So, uh, so give us a little background on you. You were born in East L.A.? Yes, Lower Alabama. Lower Alabama, that'd be correct. Dothan, Alabama. <laughs> and then you you bounced around a lot of that part of the world, right? I did. My father was in the military, and so he was stationed at Fort Rucker, Alabama there. And then my mother's family was just about 30 minutes south on the panhandle of Florida. Right. So, uh, so the rest of the story is with your uh, family uh you military family i'm taking it no my father was a career military man but when i was around three my they separated okay and uh all of that uh shifted gears for where you were moving around to right correct so after that we um relocated back to florida where my mother's family was from and it was uh being raised uh single mother with an older brother i have an older brother that was three years older than me and uh it's just how it started so let me get the quick rundown on you so you're um so where where was the key places you grew up i guess that'd be a big question so until about the third grade i was in the panhandle of florida and then after that we went to the eastern shore of maryland until i was in the eighth grade Okay. Eighth grade, I had an opportunity to go to a military academy in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So I chose to do that for two and a half years. Okay. Why did that? What, how did that arise? I mean, was that a pretty big opportunity? <clears throat> it was, but by this time I was 13, 14 years old and had pretty much been on my own. Okay. Um, and had already started using drugs and alcohol. Okay. Um, so I uh, was kicked out shortly after getting to the military school for drinking and so um, ended up straightening out for a little while, but then getting kicked out again for <clears throat> smoking pot, which my mother by this time had had some issues in Maryland and had went back to Florida. Okay. So when I got kicked out of the military school, I went back to Florida. Okay. So, and then, uh, so then what transpires from there? I mean, so you, you're, you're smoking weed yeah. and you're drinking beers yeah. and you're 14 years old with, a. so that always leads to good and beneficial things to society every single time. But by this time you couldn't tell me anything. 
Really? Yeah. By <laughs> you mean when you were yeah. fourteen, you were already thirty years old? Yes. <laughs> I get it, man. Yeah. I was the same kind of cat. So, and my mother was never around, and I was just always alone, and I just did whatever I wanted to do. Okay. What about dad in your life? Was he a part of it? No. No. What about your stepdad? Never. Okay. Had one. So you know, I'm just kicking that. That that's a key thing in a kid's life. Ha- having parents, even if they're divorced, having having both parents active in life is makes a big deal. No, and that's some of the things that God has been working with me through this whole process. Right? Is the father wound? Oh yeah, good you know, word. Yeah, it's a really big issue in not only my life but the men that I've you know, done time with right. and, and, and have been around. Yeah. I, you know, the old statement is, uh, uh, nobody told them how to be men for starters. And, uh, they, uh, they left everything behind chasing a dollar and they left all the babies behind. So nobody ended up carrying on with the babies too. It, I, it's, it, we see it all the time in the system. Right. And, uh, t- they can't see you shaking your head. Yeah. <laughs> just so you know nobody can see you shaking your head uh but uh so let's jump into first round with the law 12 um some friends of mine we were hanging out and uh decided to break into this apartment okay so we got a crowbar broke into this window um ended up getting arrested looking back on it now there wasn't actually no criminal charges, but the police actually went through the whole gamut with us. They come and picked us up. They took us to the police station. Yeah, they're they're trying to scare you straight. Right. Well, that was not. <laughs> that didn't happen. You're like, this is cool. This is giving me street cred. <laughs> right. Yes. It's just, okay. This is what we were doing. So then your first round of start actually doing jail time. So actually, everybody seemed to be going to jail around me. I yeah. didn't actually go to jail until I was 22. Okay. Um, I had uh, was working. I uh, was dealing pot. Uh, got pulled over on the job site. Mm-hmm. You know, we had taken a lunch, got pulled over, and went to jail uh, for a felony amount of marijuana when I was 22. Okay. Um, and then? So, did you just go to county jail time frame? Or did you end up with a prison sentence? So that was just county jail. So okay. around this time, though, was really crucial point in my whole story. Okay, well, let's so, hear it. So me and my mother, um, my mother was an alcoholic and an addict, found sobriety for a while. Okay. Never really talked about the Lord or um, anything like that. Did you have any religious background at all? No. No, like I, okay. But somewhere along the lines might. I, you know, like it skips a generation. Yeah. Like I felt like the generation before my grandparents. Yeah. And it's what God's revealed to me. Yeah. You know, is you know, we were, we're God's people. Right. Um, but me and my mother, that Pray, were, prayers of a grandmother is a real thing. Amen. And so me and my mother's relationship was very codependent. Um, you know, we smoking crack together, shooting drugs together, the whole nine. Yeah, normal normal Thanksgiving in most houses in America. <laughs> to me, it was normal. Yeah. Oh, I get it, man. I, I'm, I'm kind of clowning, but I'm not clowning. Sure. I mean, that's real. So right after I got arrested, about 30 days after that, 
me and my mom had started going to a methadone clinic because we were abusing opiates and fentanyl and everything just so bad. We were getting all this from the doctors. Okay. And so we started going to a methadone clinic in Georgia and she ended up, I didn't know at the time, but the first day we went was a Friday and then they give you a dose for Saturday and Sunday because they're not open. Okay. Typically you have to go every day of the week except Saturday and Sunday. So they give you two take home doses. Oh, that's a mistake. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So then that Sunday I wasn't living at home. I came home and my mom never went to church and like my family didn't go to church, but right at the end, my grandparents started going, but my mom had went that day and she had a beautiful sundress on and, uh, we sat down on the porch. It was a great day. And, uh, but she ended up passing away that night. Wow. From a Mexic, uh, methadone and Xanax to- toxicity. Man, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. So that's right after, you know, I'm getting my first felony charge and they put me on probation. Okay. And so, you know, at this point, I have just given up and, you know, the cycle started. Okay. And then, I mean, so when was our first round? What was our first round of prison all about? How so, many How many felonies have you had? Let's just clear that off the table. Convictions, nine. Okay, um, nine convictions. But my first round of prison, they gave me treatment first. So I did a little drug treatment right after my mother passed. And there was a about nine months there that I did house arrest and I did all right with no family around. Um, and then around Oh six, my grandmother passed. They, uh, violated my probation and they, they violated or you violated. (laughs) Amen. No, I get it, man. I violated my probation (laughs) and and they revoked it. That's what happens. Right. And I got an 18 month sentence and shipped to the Florida department of corrections. Okay. So you started off prison life in there, right? Mm-hmm. How old were you? It would have been 2006, so I was around 24. Okay. Yeah. So then uh, then we turn around. So you, you go into prison, and then you get out of prison. And then our next round of prison is? So did you at least take it clean when you were in prison? Oh, yeah. Okay. And then when you came out? Yeah, I would go. I'd go links with you know doing well the first time i got out of prison i almost made it four years okay so let me just rewind too and just all glory be to god though for real on this um i uh i've always had this spirit about me that has guided me through all of this survival and everything in my life that gave me this fighting spirit to Never give up. Just never, no matter what happened to me, I just couldn't ever give up. And I know that now that that was God in me. Right. But I didn't before. And so when I got out the first time, I got right back into selling drugs. Um, and so it wasn't long I started back into the opiates. Um, things just started going rough, and I saw myself going back to prison. So I got on the Internet. And I looked up jobs that I had heard um, 
from a guy in prison that I could get on this website and find jobs that paid good. Okay. Like oil field and heck yeah. And, and they'll take felons. Right. So one day I just, you know, God had put it on my heart. I didn't know it then. I, I do now. And I looked it up and I knew that wind energy was in the works. Right. So I looked up uh, this website and sure enough, there was a job in Casper, Wyoming, uh, building these windmills. And I looked down the list of who they needed and boom, labor. I said, there we go. Yeah, that'd be me. <laughs> yeah, I'm a laborer. Hey, uh, I think I can dig a ditch. I'm in. Hey, yeah. I have no problem. Both of my hands are except calluses any day. Right, and there was just nothing going for me there. So I uh, called up here and ended up getting in touch with a man at uh, Energy Transportation, Crane and Rigging. Yeah. And he talked to me, and he said, if you aren't wanted by the law, he said, and you drive out here from Florida – he said, I'll give you a job doing something. Well, there you go. And so I took off out here. Well, there's that. And uh, got to Wyoming in 2009, back and forth between 2011, deep rising oil spill. Okay. Went down there, ended up landing a job down there, um, working that. Okay. Uh, was staying on the beach, still messing. Living, living life large. Yep, still and still in the drug game. Um, ended up catching a couple charges down there. Okay, violated my probation. Mm-hmm. Took my youngest daughter at the time would have been about six, and her and her mom and we just left Florida. Okay, headed to Albuquerque, New Mexico, mm-hmm. and decided I would go back through Denver and just pick up a couple pounds of pot and go back to Casper and sell weed. Okay. So that's what I did. And then? Uh, Went to prison. About four months later. About four months later, go to prison in Wyoming. Yeah, nine felonies for that case, pled out to five. Got a four, four, four to sixes and a four to five, ran concurrent. Mm-hmm. Completed that, completed ITU. So were you down in Torrington? I was Torrington. I never saw you there. No, so I wasn't... Uh, you didn't come to church is what you're telling me. The Lord was never in my... Windshield. It never was. Yeah, not in your not in your rear view. It wasn't in your windshield. I was God. Yeah. I was the one that had to get it done. Oh. I was the only one that was going to get it done. Yeah, that, that whole self-God thing, it, it lands you in prison every time. Every single time. Every single time. Okay, so now let's bounce on. You get out, and you're still living crazy? Let, let's go. You're done with all this prison stuff. No, see, the thing is, is I wasn't, every time I never wanted to be that way. Right. It just would happen happen yeah and so there would be these stints of really good things um never in my purpose right but good things would occur right um and so i ended up doing the whole two four to sixes here in in wyoming from 2011 and i finally was off probation and parole of 2020 uh december of 2020 okay and have been since um, while I was in prison, learned to weld, um, got out, welded for a year. Opportunity arose for me to get into sales. Mm-hmm. Now you got somebody like me that's never really had a lot of success, 
let alone. Oh, you had great success. You were a great drug salesman. <laughs> you had clients, etc. So selling cars uh, also falls into that realm. You're like, hey, you need to have a product in which people will purchase, and you need to talk them into purchasing. I was a drug dealer. Zero problem. I know how to do this. Correct. So I tell guys in the prison all the time, hey, don't ever think that wasn't a job. <laughs> it was a job. It landed you in here, but it was a job. So you can work. You're showing you can. So I guess we really the most important part, we rewind back to 2016. So I was finishing up the first four to six with 15 days to kill it. Was completely done. 15 days. And probation and parole showed up at my house and had just a slew of drugs. And so I get all these new felonies. Nice. Show up to the Campbell County Detention Center and end up in this pod. And just the presence of the Lord was all over that pod and me. And I said, and somebody spoke his name and. I, 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 for the first time I started feeling something different about me and they said, let's go to this Bible study. So I went to the Bible study and there was this guy in there that had been federal prison, state prison a couple of times. And he was leading this Bible study and they were in Romans and just started talking. If you believe that Jesus died for your sins, if you believe it in your heart, something's going to happen. And you ask him to come in and, and save you, you know, something will happen. And I believed it. Right. And I went back to my cell that night and I'm, I was seeing myself outside of my body, like, and could see myself for who I was pretending to be. And so I just got on my knees and I remember praying that I just wanted him to take the addiction away. And then there was that one thing that I had done that I had hid from my whole life that I just didn't think would ever be forgiven for. And I was just praying that, that he died for that. Right. And I just felt the Holy spirit come over me and it just, I went from ready to just die to complete peace. And I heard him, you're forgiven. That's what I heard. And then I fasted for three days and, uh, my life started to change, and uh, he's been working in my life ever since. Amen. So then you get out of prison. You and Christ are walking together. No. Oh, okay. Well, then let's go to that part of the story. Well, that's where it comes in that fear of man, right? So right. now I'm in prison, and I've been this guy this whole time, you know, and been pretending to be this guy. So how do I? Did you practice a satru or anything like that? No religion. None. Okay. But when they ask, but when people ask me what if I was what my faith was, I always put Christian. Okay. Okay. I mean, okay. and from young early on, I always would get crosses tattooed on me. Okay. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and loved crosses. Right. And so, end up getting success. You know, I made six figures, and you know, God had put me in a position to of success. Right. But it was to teach me that that wasn't success. Yeah, that's just money. Yep. They always make more of it. But he wanted to put me up there because he he knew that's what I wanted. And so when I got there, I was still empty. And then I decided I wanted to try to fix my relationship from the past with my ex and her mother. I thought that would fix me. 
Right. So I run to Florida and back to Florida in, in 2021 and uh, was there for two months and things just weren't. And God kept telling me, if you stay here, you'll die. And uh, I finally chose to leave and come back. And when I came back, he turned it up on me. Um, and on my birthday, my 39th birthday, I got fired. Just seemed like the whole world had come down on me. But I was using uh, Adderall. I was prescribed Adderall. Okay. And, I, and I was taking Suboxone. Okay. And so I hadn't been eating well. I was super paranoid. <laughs> I bet. And uh, I was losing myself. I was The devil was after my soul. He was trying to to take me. Right. And, uh, but thank God he intervened and I didn't know what was happening. And I can remember, I mean, this real spiritual battle of, <sighs> there was kind of this setup. So for about two years prior to this, like I felt like I was being tested. Like I had been saved and I was declaring Jesus as Lord and I felt like I was being tested and I was put in positions. Declaring it and living it are two different things. And that was the thing. Right. You were declaring it. Right. But you weren't living it. Right. And so that was the test. Like, right. Let's see what you're going to do because we, I know you felt it before. Right. I need, I need you to live it. I need you to live it. Yeah. So I went through this big big test and then but I was like in this battle and I felt like I did good like I did <laughs> right but it, you got to realize it's him the one that's doing good I'm being a screw up and he's rescuing my butt but at the time like I could see it and I'm like okay this is the Lord like I need to do what I, I need to do right you right. know I need to do right but I still was holding on to me and I was still holding on to that an, self. An, an old identity. The old identity. Yeah. And so that's really what, you know, it got to that point where I literally was in my house screaming, who is this? What are you doing? Until finally, it in one snap, I saw my whole life, my past, I saw it clear. And I saw the people in it. Each one, how God had used them, who I was, that my family, we were, you know, were God's people. And he just showed me this generational lineage of, of how we were connected. And it, my connection came back to the military. Okay. It was a military connection and that we were connected with the military. Okay. Um, And so he revealed the truth of who he was, who I was, what I was called to do. I had been writing papers in prison that I wanted to do what God has got me doing now. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that here in a minute. Right. So let's get to the cleaned up and sober part. <laughs> let's let's okay. jump forward to that. So God's grabbed a hold of you here. And it's yeah. obvious to me he's got a very big grab on you. And then... Um, so how did you end up at the mission? How did you end up stepping into studying the Bible, 
uh, doing this stuff, actually turning your life around. Because I remember the first time I met you in there, it was obvious you had questions. You had questions, and not only had questions, you you also had, you tracked along real well. I mean, you were you were definitely one of the top students. That's that's without a doubt. When that's all praise to him for I didn't know the Bible, but when he revealed the truth to me. I knew that that was the only thing that was real in this world. It was his truth. Was his truth. <clears throat> right. And he said, the main thing was, I know who you pretend to be, but I love you anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, I love you. Like, stop and get clean. That was the, the biggest things. Like, quit doing that and get clean. But I don't know. I didn't know how to do that. I had never gotten clean without going to prison. Right. So for about two months, I'm fighting this. Well, about a week after he, I, I'm like, okay, I know what you want and you love me. And it just broke me that I could be loved that much. Cause I never had that. And that was all I ever wanted. Right. And so I'm driving around and I'm just full of him. He, he, he's, I'm just full of him. That's all I can feel is him. And I stopped and this homeless guy was sitting on the side of the road and I'm like, he's talking about God. And I pulled in there and I said, where are you staying? And he said, I'm at the mission. Now I had just made, you know, $150,000, had a brand new truck, a house. But when he said, I'm at the mission, I knew I was going to the mission. And I'm like, how in the, like, and so I'm like, where's that at? He's like, it's on Park Street. So I, I looked on my phone. I drove down there. I can every day, every time I walk in the door, I have that vision. I remember walking in there and opening the door and I'm like, what is this place? Mm-hmm. They're like, it's Wyoming Rescue Mission and we have a discipleship program. I mean, almost caught on fire. And I'm like, that's where I'm going. But I couldn't humble myself to go. Oh, yeah. In my head, I'm going, well, I'll just get clean. You know, I'll just, <laughs> yeah. I'll just get clean. Right, right. He, I had work to do. He had work to do in me. Right. And so the better I got, which I quit using me and him's first time ever that mm-hmm. that ever happened. And it was his love. And people were saying, go do this, go do that, go to WBI. And he said, no, my love's enough. And you're going to tell him that, that you, my love was enough for you. And nice. so I finally fought it for about two months. I kept driving to the mission and 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 donating stuff (laughs) being kind and generous i don't want to live here i'm just gonna drop this stuff off right and then uh so finally after about 45 days and not using and going to meetings and doing well my situation kept getting worse um and i went out one night and i drank and i met this guy i had not met anyone that understood what i was saying the whole time but i met this guy and he he knew and he's like tell me what god's saying to you so we talked and before i left he goes let me pray for you and he prayed and i told him you know god gave me three choices like this that i was going to kill myself or i was going to spend the rest of my life in prison or preach that was the three well i'm glad you chose door number three so when I drank that night and I woke up the next morning, I didn't have that guilt 
or that shame. And all I could think about was that prayer. And I was just at so peace. And I looked right at the sky and I mean the ceiling and I said, Lord, I'm ready. And I drove to the mission and I checked in. And when I checked in, I had never felt I was in his will. So I was good. Right. So then you started in the discipleship program immediately. Immediately. Okay. And then, so Dave Matthews gets you set up and you start rocking and rolling there. So now let's, uh, you know, give us about three minutes on the mission here. Give us a little bit on how that all works. Phase one, phase two, phase three. Sure. Um, absolutely. So, you know, being incarcerated in different places, like the mission is top notch. Like as far as, you know, living arrangements, food, I mean, it's top notch. It was extremely comfortable. Um, go right into the first phase, uh, the first phase, four months. I ended up doing a little bit more than that because I came in at the tail end of one of them, which was good for me, uh, because I needed to soak up as much as I could. Uh, but the first phase, you know, it's just an introduction who you are in Christ. Um, really good volunteers. Um, really like for me, I'd never prayed, um, especially in a room full of people, right. You know, like all these different things were all new to me. Um, and they just, everybody's just real comfortable and it just, you know, it just helps you, um, or just really help me. Step through to that next part. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my situation was like, I came in shattered, shattered and everything I heard on a daily basis was healing to me. Excellent. Because it was the word of God. Right. And it was the only thing that could heal me. Right. And, and they are on a bunch of, uh, inspirational speakers there. They just basic Bible teaching people. Actually, I think most of the people that leave that mission have more, uh, understanding of scripture than, um, a lot of people in churches. Well, they, I was so full of the spirit that everything that I heard, God spoke to me and he spoke to me either in a past situation where he carried me through it or he didn't, you know, whatever it was. That's how I healed from being completely shattered and broken. Right. And which had to be for the growth. Um, yeah. So, so then you were headed into phase two and what do they cover in phase two? So phase two's a lot in depth. You know, you're going to studies with Ephesians, Colossians, Romans, um, and you get a little bit more on the addiction side with uh, some of the relapse prevention work. In first phase, you have the overcomers, which is a Christ-based recovery program. Right. Um, And the thing with the mission, and, and, and I've said this a lot too, God designed it. A certain way. Oh, yeah. And so if you want to work the program, how God laid it out to be, it works perfect. So you're scheduled for volunteer work at the rest the the thrift stores that they have. Right. There's all of these other opportunities to serve and be part of. Well, they're te- teaching you a Christian lifestyle. 
Amen. And so that's the point of the mission. And so that was the biggest thing for me. And that's what God was showing me. Do not depend on anyone but me. Right. So don't, don't think that you can go out here and have these friend. It was like, this is our time for me to work on you. Right. And so, uh, that's, and it's set up that way. And if you follow it that way and not allow the distractions to get in there, right. He'll do amazing work without a doubt. And then there's knuckleheads that pass through and they don't make it through to the end. And that's the way it goes. And that's sad. It really is sad. But most of the time we pray for them that they'll come back and give it another run. But, you know, one of the things you you said it very well with the way that it is laid out. This is not a homeless shelter. No. Okay. That is what most people have in their minds when they think of the mission. It is not a homeless shelter, although there's been numerous, and I mean lots of numerous people there that have been living on the street. But when they come in there, it isn't costing them anything. This is where you literally have to put your life on hold for a year in order to find your way along the path. And the way that it's been created and the way that it's been done. And, you know, I, I remember when Soul's Anchor got started and as as you'd have been you would not have been alive at that point in time just so you're aware but thank god for them yeah and uh you know carl and carl those two guys they got a building where they could put in six beds i think what they had and all they were worried about is trying to get people sobered up and then it it started moving and i remember when we were first down there and i i was early in my uh uh, faith and we were with a little group of people that cooked when they could only house like 20 people or something like that back in those days and um we had this it was the parking lot there now the whole mission was the park what is now the parking lot uh on one side oh, yeah. and um we uh we fed people i mean that's what we did and tried to to help them out and the goal always was that. And then, you know, when uh, I remember when Brad came along, and I remember how angry people got. They're like, oh, he's going to turn this into something else. Praise God he came along and turned it into something else. Because he goes, this could be more. And the next thing you knew, that guy knew how to round up money. And he said, no, this building ain't big enough. We need to be able to house over 100 people Amen. now. It, it it's well over a hundred people are in that place. And we just, you and I went to a graduation yesterday where we had 28 people graduate sober Amen. and clean and understanding who they are in Christ and watching people from phase three, which is that's where they start living out on their own and stepping out. And, and you and I watching that, we're like, Dude, this is working. Amen. This is working. And and it and it isn't like they don't stumble and fall. Right. Okay? It isn't like they don't stumble and fall. But they have a collective of people that immediately reach out and grab and say, Hey, yo, pick pick it up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, you screwed up. We're starting so brightly over again today. Ain't no thing. But let's start it over. Because uh, no matter how many times you fall down, you gotta have brothers and sisters pick you up. And that mm-hmm. that's one thing from there. But I want to go into this last half of this show with this 
That that is great, and that's how God worked with you. That's how you got saved. That's how you've been living. And uh, so then let's bounce on to this next little part. Um, we were praying. I remember Jeremy Poole and uh, Mike Lesko and I all praying that one day they would let us, and uh, actually Lieutenant Clark up at the jail, that they would let us to where a guy could go into a pod and we would create what was called the God pod to where we could help guys that were going in and out of there and start getting him sobered and cleaned up inside instead of just living as inmates, that when they got on the street, they had an opportunity. And the mission being a part of that, as well as uh, numerous other programs, CR, Celebrate Recovery, down at um, one of the other local churches, Highland Park, as well as the NA building, uh, the... uh, uh, AA building, etc., to that effect, and start getting people some help, and even going beyond that. And w- I remember praying for these things, and I kept going on. Oh. And then when then before I went to work where I'm at, I had uh, the 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 lieutenant was getting retired. Re- lieutenant Clapp was getting ready to retire, and we'd been at this praying at this for 16 years. And they said, hey, Bert, there may be an opportunity at some point for you to go to work for the county. And I'm like, dude, I'm taking this job. I can't. I can't keep waiting. I got to take this job. And I went into the church where it's where I belong. But then along comes my buddy, Caleb. And all of a sudden, somebody approaches you. Let's let's hear that story. What is the program called for starters? So the program is called the Thrive Together Initiative. <clears throat> The program in the jail, we just completed the first group. We allowed them to name the jail program, and they named it RISE, Real Individual Seeking Excellence. Excellent. I like it. Say that one more time. RISE, and this is what the first group of guys that completed our program named it. So the acronym would be Real um, Individual Seeking Excellence. Okay, and then uh, tell me how that program works. So we have been working, while I was at the mission, actually for the opening of the new discipleship house. Right. I was introduced by my wife to um, a lady that was working for the state for probation and parole who was planning on leaving and had the same heart and kind of vision that I had. So we were introduced and we got to working together. And then we adopted a program called The Only Person You Cheat Is You. Okay. And so it's being modeled after a North Las Vegas program. Okay. But their target has been really just misdemeanors. Okay. And so we've had, we had only eight, but we had a mix of some misdemeanors, uh, some actually going back to the Department of Corrections, uh, and then some just doing a little. Don't say only eight. You had eight. Amen. I had none. Amen. Are you with me? Um, yes. Eight is success, brother. And trust me, I'm honored, and I, I just, I'm full of gratitude for you know my predecessors and everybody that's went before me, and just I'm just honored, you know that. Yeah, man, you are you are an answer to those prayers. All that crazy stuff you did 
has led you to here. Now, who would have ever thought a guy with nine felonies <laughs> would be the one that the sheriff's department of Natrona County would say, no, you're our guy. I know. <laughs> and then I've even went in and talked to the lieutenant and he's like, I'm like, Hey man, they're still giving Caleb a bad time for coming in with me for Bible study. He goes, this is absolutely ridiculous. He has access to the full jail. And I'm like, I don't have access to full jail. I've been here 16 years, bro. Yeah. <laughs> And you know, that's beautiful. And that's the Lord. That's how he works. When he called you to do something, if you'll be obedient and follow his direction, no matter how crazy it looks, right? He will get you to where he wants you to go. So what did you, you would go into the pod five days a week? No, we were only going in two days a week. Two days a week. Okay, fill me in on how that went. You were going in like Wednesday, Thursday or something like that? So we have support groups. So my big thing to was I just a lot of the peer to peer the lived experience for me it's hard, it's easier to relate to someone who I know's walk the walk absolutely and after 8 years of prison here in in this system I know a lot of these guys yeah so we oh, could, yeah, yeah. we got a Wednesday night and a Saturday night support group with a few other members that uh we go up and just kind of visit with and find out needs and try to help with finding out if they have IDs if they need treatment are they willing to go to the mission? Mm-hmm. All of just whatever we could do to help with success. So then Thursday morning from eight to 11, go into the program and facilitate. The program is eight lessons. So we got um, one a day for four weeks or you know, twice a week for four weeks. Nice. So eight to 11 Thursday morning and one to four Friday afternoon. But the whole time these guys are in there, every day of the week from 8 to 11 and 1 to 4, they're having to program. Right. So they're doing yoga. They have workout routines. Mm-hmm. They have the mission going to speak. Right. They have uh, different other nonprofit entities, uh, interfaith, community actions, uh, just these resources for help. Right. That people in the system really don't know about. And if they do know about them, they're not really apt to go. But if we're going in and we're introducing ourselves, we're working with these guys, we're educating them. They're, they're learning who we are. We're learning who they are. It's that warm handoff. It's, Oh yeah, I'm out of jail. I need this help. Oh yeah. I remember you, you were there. So it's a, right. That's a huge help. It's a hands down big. We have got, um, most people are in jail, not because they're, hard driven criminals most of them are just addicts i mean that that's a uh, most crime comes out of addiction sure and uh so getting that opportunity is fantastic so as uh you guys went through your first uh graduation and even the sheriff came to that correct he did which was surprising and uh he he spoke and let some of the guys speak we graduated four of them um, yeah, it was. Uh, so it shows that it's just not a pushover thing. No, you have to. I mean, you're making your bed. Yeah, you're. Uh, you know, you're doing homework. Making your bed's the most important thing of the day. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not kidding you, man. Sure. When I was in there, if you were a celly with me, yeah. you didn't make your bed. Yeah. You were in need of the uh, a nurse <laughs> and a new pod because I didn't put up with that. Because I'll tell you one thing, I did not like his cops in my house. Mm. So I told him, man, when we get out, I don't care if you, once you're done with the inspections, you can go back to bed and you can do whatever you want, but man, make your bed. 
And I did that the whole time I was locked up simply because of this, is because it showed respect to me. No matter whether anybody else did or not, I was going to show myself respect. First thing in the morning. Absolutely. And that's the way my day was going to be laid out. And, uh, you know, I recommend that to guys all the time. And uh, so you got these guys, you got them making their beds, you you got them doing just some basic things, but basic things are what it takes to create a normal in their life, right? Absolutely. And that's what it's taken for me. And the program is what we're teaching them are basic things as habits. Right. Routines. Right. Rewards, where you're what, getting these triggers from. It, exactly. The same thing with the drugs. Sure. Drugs do that. There's a habit. There's a routine. There's a thing. There's where you're seeking your reward, the quick dopamine and or the dope. And uh, the same thing, right? Right. I mean, so what you're doing is putting a positive thing to a negative thing. Sure. And, and, and not so much on people's behavior or why they're in there or things like that. Okay. We're that, just, we're that, just saying, Hey, these are some steps right? that if you'll listen to these yeah. and just start implementing them on small things in your life, right. It'll affect the bigger things. Right. So, so now let's go on to the next thing. So they come out of jail and they start into this next little routine. And so what do we do with them then? So we have, we haven't, set it up completely yet but okay. we have working on it though we have it mapped out a little bit i actually brought the book i'll bring it out uh to you here shortly but we have it mapped out on a alumni meeting okay guys that are graduating out of the jail right that you know lead these groups right um they actually uh i mean that would be the base uh for the ones coming out of topuku okay Reentry from prison and then housing. Okay, explain Topuku. So that's the acronym for the program. The only person you cheat is you. Okay, I wanted to just make sure you covered that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, we don't need that other. Yeah. We're just doing the light thing here. I just want people to understand. They, what you, I wanted them to hear the first part of your story and how you got here and to see how God is utilizing your life right now, Caleb. Amen. Because the other thing, because that's the, the only important thing, really. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I, it the true testimony coming to Christ is always a testimony. Amen. And you know, when you when we meet a lot of people that have been Christians all their lives, they're like, "Oh, I wish I had a story like that." No, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> but uh, this is my story, and you have yours. But the key thing is, true testimony is what God is putting you through. He is taking you through some steps. He isn't putting you in hard times. What he's doing is he's walking you through to serve him because that's what we're supposed to do, and that that's what you're doing in there. Now, uh, you and Stan go in with me on Thursday nights, and we do the Bible study, which I'm going to start handing off more and more to you guys. I'm going to start stepping more and more back from some of that stuff and let you guys do it because you guys are, communicate different than I do. You know, that's the other thing that, that I, uh, I think this, I think we're stepping into your time. And I, I see it too, Bert. The thing, I think what the thing about it is, is that you have so much historical con, you have spent a lifetime learning this. And like, when I hear from you, my spirit, like it feeds me because I don't know it. 
And but when you I hear it from you, it makes the sense. You know, it, it just speaks to me. And so I look to you. Oh, I appreciate that. As that, you know, as that as a mentor type and and the generation that that I'm following up behind and that's how it's supposed to be right well and and i just i see you uh gaining more and more uh both of you gaining more and more what we just need to get you is uh we need to get you in some bible college so you'll have some of those things i did you know all that stuff took a long time to acquire right you know and uh it isn't um uh, I always kind of chuckle with uh, the churches uh, that I'm involved with right now because they have no clue who I am, right. and which I love. Yeah. I love I love that because they don't have any high expectation of me. So, uh, but when I travel out to places and they're like, "Oh, we get an opportunity to have him speak. <laughs> Let's get him to talk," and I do, and and it goes well. But, uh, you know, the key thing here is, Caleb, is just um, to remember that God is also setting up your life, too, with all of this stuff. And as he and as he sets this up and he puts these things in motion, what you're going to do at some point is you're going to look back 10 years and you're going to be like, I can't believe God did all that with me. You know, it's sick. (laughs) That's so cool. And uh, and uh, I'm glad to be on the journey with you, man. I truly am. And the reason, you know, when I when I say I'm going to start stepping back a little bit, I'm not leaving the county jail probably for another long time. But uh, some of the things is, is, is you guys also need that opportunity to have to force yourselves to date. Sure. Okay. Because if, if uh, we always have the telephone in front of us, which you don't get that in there, you look things up and you become lazy. Yep. Okay. Or you just don't do the study. I would rather go into the jail or anytime we're doing Bible study type stuff. And if you don't know, say, I don't know, but I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll call you out next time and I'll, I will tell you. Right. And then you make notes and you do the dig and you will never be caught off guard with that one again. Right. You know, and uh, what you're seeing is the tail end of 15 years of education. Okay. That is, well, more longer than that. Ever since I got saved, I've been going to school. Right. You know, and then on the other end of things is the other thing you're seeing is you're seeing the tail end of a lot of time dealing with inmates with really hard heads, you know, and uh, so you learn how to talk to those guys. I mean, let's think about the guy the night we brought the the Asatru or not the Asatru to the Sereno to Christ. You remember he he what was it about giants throwing planets around? Oh, yeah. What was the deal again? <laughs> no, that's uh. That's what he brought up was the, what about these gods that throw the planets? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know any of them. I only know one God. So here, let me explain to you how God is. There's a triune God. He goes, what is a triune God? And I said, oh, well, here, let me show you where God is in the Bible. And by the time we were done. Weeping. Yeah. He goes, uh, I said, well, you're just going to have to go back to your cell and ref- wrestle it out yourself. He goes, oh, I'm not going anywhere. I don't know what we got to do to make this happen, but I ain't going anywhere. And I said, oh, "I, are you are you telling me you want to give yourself to Christ?" And he, you could just see him just cratering this tough kid. I mean, and he was tough, but dude, oh, yeah. he was he was double tough. He wasn't afraid to stab somebody or anything else. And he just falls apart. And he wants that God in his life. Amen. And he just falls to pieces there. We pray with him. I don't go downstairs with him. You do. Give us the final story before he leaves. No, you could just tell he was he when he get got back to his cell, he didn't probably remember 
the walk back. He just, you could see it in his eyes. The spirit was leading him the whole way. Absolutely. And that, that's a beautiful thing that happens in there is that we're able to reach people that are in their desperate moment. They're, they're in, there's like, there's gotta be something else, man. I can't keep doing this. I mean, we hear it all the time. And then again, we also look at people that are like, man, this is my last time in here. I'm like, until next time I see you, because I can see in your face right now, you're waiting until you get to the bottom of the hill. Then you'll either swing into the convenience store and pick up some dope, or you'll swing across the street and pick up some liquor. It's one or the other, right? Amen. And, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is we get very few chances to grab people in those moments. And that's one of the beautiful things with doing outreach like that. And uh, I just want to really compliment you. I, and I'm I'm so glad that, that we've gotten you in there and this thing is all taken off the way that it has because that is all God. Oh, 100%. You know, I get you through the door, but after that, you took off in this thing. I'm like, what? Wait, what? That was my thing. <laughs> and then I was like, thank you, Jesus, that that this is going the direction it's going. Because I'm going to tell you right now, before you know it, you're going to be in there five days a week. You're going to be in there from eight to five kind of routine. And you're it's going to go different. I'm telling you right now, it's going to go different because the only way as Christians we can make an impact on our community is by getting involved in the dark stuff of our community. Right. That's the only way. Absolutely. And nobody was there for me. And so that's what I tell my guys when I go in there. I say I come in here and be the guy that I needed when I was in here. Right on. And I and that guy is Jesus living in me. Amen. So that's what I give them, Jesus. I don't give them Caleb. You know, there's probably a little bit of Caleb in there. Oh, there's a little Caleb. <laughs> there's definitely a little Caleb in there. But you know, yeah. uh, Caleb, even your name. When we go back in the Bible and we and we go back to uh, the two spies, you know. So you know, my brother is Joshua. No, but tell us in why. Town. Yeah, for real. Yeah, your real brother. My real brother is named Joshua. Joshua, and your name is Caleb. And, yep. And your mom wasn't a Christian. Like we. We were, but we didn't, I didn't see, we were in the street. Like, yeah, okay. But my, I get we it. had crosses, like we had Bibles in the house. Like yeah. I never heard, I didn't know anything though. Right. Like I never heard, we didn't go to church or nothing like that. Okay. But her name was Elizabeth. Her name was Elizabeth, yeah. you know, like, I don't know, John the Baptist's mom, you know, stuff like that. Well, then that goes back to me, my grandfather, you know, I told you he was a professor at the Catholic university for 36 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. So there is so much more to your story. There is. I mean, you're an endless, uh, you're an endless interview. I, I love it. And that was the thing with God though, with this whole thing was that the way that it went, it had to go this way. So I could never say that I did it. Right. Because I couldn't have. Right. I, there was no way I could have done this. Well, I, and I'm going to tell you even had, uh, that that's a good word because what's hitting me right now in this very moment had that had I been the head of that program it would have been the thing I created and I wouldn't have created what you're doing what I'd have created is something different and it'd have been all about me at the end of the day and I would have too yeah that's so so this is the only this the only way that this could truly work is God had to push us 
you, me, yeah. had to push the lieutenants out of the yeah. way. All that. We had to get Lieutenant Shoemaker in there in order to make all this stuff possible. Yeah. And uh, so that all the people that th- we had this grand plan mm-hmm. and God goes, yeah, that's that's sweet. Now get out of the way and this way we're going to do it. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the, the people that he's going to bring it up and out of there are going to start cleaning up the streets. It ain't going to be cops. It ain't going to be uh, judges and right. lawyers. It's going to be people that come out of that jail that are going to start setting people free. Now, I I can tell you this. I remember when Quentin Decker was telling me that when I was locked up 20 years ago. He said, the only way this 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 thing's ever going to be done is is that... And I want to tell you something else Quentin told me at uh, at the end of his life. He says, you know, I only ever, I went in there for 20 years, and I only ever seen one man I preached at, preached to, actually do something with his faith. And I said, well, was it worth it? He goes, you were worth all 20 years. <laughs> Amen. And I'm going to tell you, as for all the things that, when I go along and I, I invest in all of these people and I pour out all this time, when I see the success in your life, when I see God pouring through you, that it was worth it. You know, when I, when I, uh, you're one of those moments for me that I say going to jail was worth it mm-hmm. because, uh, baptizing my wife, baptizing my daughter, my grandchildren, uh, baptizing some of my old club brothers, all of those things. Every time I'm doing one of those, I go, man, jail was totally worth it. Mm-hmm. So I want you, when you look back over all those times of going to prison, you know, they may have felt like dumb times, et cetera, Caleb, but one of the things is is that all of them made you the person you are today, for starters. And secondly, they gave you so much credit that nobody can ever say you don't understand anything to them. And then the other part of it is, in order for a nine-time felon to be patted on the back by the sheriff of the community and the and the lieutenants and all of the guards just like, or deputies just going, no, we need this guy in the jail, but we need him to help these people. That, my friend, is God in motion. Hallelujah. Amen. So, last words. You got anything you want to kick out for advice to anybody struggling in their addiction? You know, that's that's a deep, dark place. But it doesn't matter how deep and dark it is. You can be brought out of it with the love of God by knowing the Father's love for you and being conquered with that. Amen. Hey, man, I want to thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for your time. I'm sure glad your lovely bride is doing okay. You guys uh, you guys got a whole new life getting ready to kick off here. Amen. And uh, things are going to be different now. I mean, I'm not talking about just because you guys' lives are about to change, but more along the lines of things are different because both of you had Christ functioning in you. Amen. All right. And, uh, you know, your two stories, that's me one day. We'll bring her in here and just have a great chuckle fest while, uh, cause I haven't had Misty on in a while. You, you married, uh, Misty. 
you know, uh, you were, uh, she has, uh, she is, and Christy and I consider her our daughter. We always have. Um, she was one that kicked in on a, a door on a Bible study I was having for men only and said, that's ridiculous. Everybody needs the Bible. And then she sat down and was going to ask me a bunch of questions she didn't think I could answer. And at the end of it, I answered all of them. And then I have been dragging her around for numerous years now. Cause she, she's like, nope, that's the answer I needed to hear. So God bless you, brother. I appreciate you. You as well. For questions or comments, please email us at info at thebarbarianprophet.com. The Barbarian Prophet is a registered trademark of Barbarian Media Group. Listening to this podcast may cause excitability, euphoria, and overall sense of happiness and the realization that you're not alone. Discontinue use if reddened skin or a rash develops. Side effects may include random hugging, crying out loud, smiling while alone, and happy crying combined with snot bubble development. Do not use during church service. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Are you actually still listening? Seriously, we have nothing more to say except for that one thing that was really, really, really important, but let's wait until the next show for that. That one more thing that we always like to bring up at the tail end of the show is this. If you're in need of help, don't be afraid to reach out. And the second thing is, you got to, you have to, no matter how bad you think it is, remember that Jesus loves you and I love you and there's nothing you can do to stop us. See you next time on The Barbarian Prophet.